This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from across the world. And today I'm delighted to say we're joined by Jeff Halley in Singapore. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, good, mate. Uh, happy to be here. Happy Monday to all our listeners. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start with the markets where you are. And I was wondering whether there's still any reaction uh, following on from Friday's very disappointing jobs figures uh, from the United States. Uh, the US economy, just in case anybody missed it, added far fewer jobs than expected in August, employment rising by 235,000. That figure, Jeff, was well down on the 1 million jobs created in July. And that has added to fears that the recovery from the pandemic may be running out of steam. Yeah, look, I, I think there's definitely uh, a Delta variant impact here, particularly on the services area. When you look at the sub-indices of the areas that added jobs, it was um, it was uh, professional services, but things like construction, uh, restaurants, retailing, hospitality, uh, education, uh, the list went on. Um, all uh, government uh, were all very, very poor indeed. And I, I do believe there's a Delta effect uh, going going on here. When you look at the um, NFIB, the, the small business uh, um, survey in the States, you can see they've got millions of jobs literally that they can't find people for. And the ISM uh, employment index, very much the same as well. So there's lots and lots of jobs in America, but nobody wants to take them. So I think that is probably why we didn't get as strong a reaction as, as we we should have, because uh, it's not like um, employment's falling because there's no jobs. Employment's falling despite there being lots of jobs. But nevertheless, it was quite negative for the US dollar, uh, which fell slightly on, on Friday. But actually, stocks and bonds uh, pretty much held their own, actually. Oil came off certainly because... Um, uh, a lower employment suggests uh, lower consumption, so uh, and and that's carried through to, to to Asia today. We've got the same problem here with employment as well, and there's a report today saying we are two years away from filling in the employment crisis that we have here, and that's already caused in the United Kingdom. I don't know about where you are. Shortages, you know, already people are saying there'll be shortages for Christmas and some of the supermarkets aren't able to stock a lot of items. Is that a problem worldwide? Yeah, look, supply chain issues are a massive issue all over the world at the moment. Uh, You know, part of it's because of Delta, part of it's because of semiconductor shortages, part of it is just the rebound and growth after you know the first waves of the pandemic have you know have put serious pressures on supply chains everywhere. I think Britain itself is complicated by Brexit, so you can't fill that labour in with European uh, labour anymore. Uh, when you look at Singapore, uh, people are renting condominiums in Singapore because the condominiums that they had purchased off plan are being quite severely delayed because there's not enough labour to finish all those projects uh, yeah, and you see certain consumer items run out and et cetera, et cetera. And I think this is something we're all going to have to just live with until the world gets past the pandemic as a whole. And the rising labour shortages are, of course, leading to higher wages. In the long term, uh, maybe it won't be a problem, but certainly media term, that could lead to inflation and possibly earlier rates. I know we talk about this so many times, Jeff, and it never really happens they always talk about, oh, maybe 18 months, maybe two years. But the rise in wages could be a pointer to this, couldn't it? Uh, yes and no. I mean, the 
rise in wages as a function, obviously, of there being lots of jobs and not enough labour. Yes, I, I agree with that. Will it feed through to inflation? Well, I think we already have inflation at the moment anyway, uh, and it's part of this uh, for all the reasons we described uh, before. This is still, to my mind, what we would describe as transitory inflation. The reason that these wages are rising and there's all these job vacancies and why the prices are rising everywhere, it's due to the pandemic. And until we put the pandemic past the world and all the supply chains in this globally interlinked world can actually act interlinked again, we are going to have these inflationary pressures, in which case there's really not a lot that monetary policy can do about that because this is not caused by there being um, uh, huge wage, you know, a 70s style huge wage increases in this inflation wage spiral. This is caused by blockages within the global supply chain uh, itself. And thus, as I said, I don't think raising interest rates into that environment would be necessarily um, productive. One more thing on coronavirus and the effects it has on the global economy. Watching the latest on the boosters in the United States, apparently the Pfizer booster is the only one that is going to be ready in time for the autumn. And this has come, I think, from Anthony Fauci. Would that worry markets as well? Bearing in mind that could slow things down? I'm not really sure because, I mean, when you look at Europe and the UK, you've done very, very well at getting everybody vaccinated, right? But when, when you look at the United States, they're really struggling to get, um, after the initial waves, they're really struggling to get 70% of the population fully vaccinated. So I find it quite ironic that they're looking at dishing out boosters when they haven't even got the second shots into people's arms yet. So, um, and, I, and I believe also the Moderna, Moderna is doing all its paperwork, et cetera, for filing as a booster at the moment as well. So, I mean, I, I can see that both Pfizer and Moderna will be available as boosters uh, come the autumn. I mean, in, in Indonesia, for example, and other countries, um, they're already giving out Sinovac and um, AstraZeneca boosters uh, as well to, to key health workers because uh, the efficacy of the uh, of the vaccines hasn't been uh, so, um, so 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 potent. So the problem here is that it's going to exacerbate what I call the K-shaped recovery, where some parts of the world recover very very well and think that all is well. But most of the rest of the world, i.e. the developing part of it, gets pushed further and further back down the line for vaccines. It's going to delay the vaccine rollouts in, in those, those countries. Um, and, and, and thus, I think the problem that it's going to store up will be this K-shaped um, economic inequality-driven uh, recovery. Jeff, for our lucky listeners in the United States, uh, they are fortunate to have a day off today because it is Labor Day. But plenty of much going on where you are in Asia Pacific, particularly in Japan. Yeah, look, uh, we've seen Japanese stocks uh, rise around two uh, percent today, just over two percent. As I look at the Nikkei two two five right now, now uh, Prime Minister Suga uh, effectively signalled he would not stand uh, for Prime Minister in the upcoming election. That saw a huge rally on Friday as well, and we're seeing what I'm calling the sugar rush still actually. Um, uh, carrying uh, the rally forward in Japan today. And th the main reasoning behind that is that uh, new prime minister, uh, upcoming election, economic uh, recession due to COVID-19, the government will bring out some more fiscal stimulus steps and that will be good for equities. And, and that's really what's driving this. 
Japan's clearly outperforming the rest of Asia, which has been fairly circumspect today, much like uh, the, the close on Friday in the United States. It's quite a circumspect, neutral uh, close, despite those, those, those uh, non-farm numbers. China is also above 1% uh, today. The CSI 300 is up 1.7%. Bargain hunters out in force in Chinese stocks today. And part of that is because of the weak US data and the weak China data last week has um, raised expectations that the central government there will also start um, increasing their uh, fiscal stimulus measures as well. Okay, that's today. What about the rest of the week? We'll talk again on Wednesday. What should we be looking out for over the next few days? Well, we've got uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia uh, policy uh, decision tomorrow. So I think most of the uh, attention there will be on whether they decide to put a hold on their tapering plans, which should be bullish uh, for Australian equities uh, that, if that comes out to play. Bank Nagara Malaysia will also have a, a, an interest rate uh, decision this week. They will be unchanged. Uh, Canada also has an interest rate decision uh, on uh, Wednesday night. So that one on 50-50, there is a chance there that they could hike uh, another 25 bips to 0.5%, uh, uh, which would be quite positive for the Canadian dollar. But I think the main event this week will be the European Central Bank policy meeting on Thursday. And there the market is quite split over whether the, uh, the European Central Bank uh, will start tapering or announce their intention to start tapering and set a timetable for it uh, because of the very high inflation numbers that we were talking about earlier that we've seen in Germany and in the Eurozone, uh, that data printing out last week. So the hawkish noises are, 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 are increasing uh, in, in the ECB, mostly from Northern Europe, of course. Um, I personally don't think they'll do anything this time around, but it should be supportive for the euro, which actually looks like it will probably test 120 this week. OK, Jeff, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers, always a pleasure. The Oanda Podcast.